Peace and prosperity is my first salute to you. I'm Merton Clark, and welcome to the Word of Truth Revealed podcast. It is my desire to build you up, to increase your spiritual stamina and tenacity, to empower effectiveness and help you discover your purpose. Enjoy this vibrant and dynamic message. As I shared with you out of the book of Leviticus 19, uh, verse 15 through 19, there is a society that has been formed, and that society needs several things. Physically, it needs food, sustenance, and water. Emotionally, it needs love from one house to the next. Spiritually, it needs God watching over and protecting it and releasing his word within it. So the people of God would not violate his statutes or precepts. So he says, don't pervert justice. Don't pervert justice. In America, I would like to just release that in the atmosphere. Do not pervert justice. Don't twist it. Don't twist it. Riots are the language of the unheard, but they are unlawful and should not take place. At the same time, they are, the riot is the language of the unheard. We must listen to the people who are in the streets and we must come together and they need to hear us as well and come to the peace table so we can move forward. Do not pervert justice. And if you have a lot of money in America, you can kill somebody and get off. Do not pervert justice do not show any partiality the scripture says don't even show favoritism to the poor or, or to the great and partiality to the poor do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great and so the poor cannot say because we're poor it's okay to steal gucci absolutely not and because we are Wealthy, we can do whatever we want to do and commit, commit white collar crimes. And because it didn't hurt anybody, we can steal all of your money. We can make sure we do predator lending and all of this other stuff and never have to go to jail for it. There should be no favoritism to the great. But judge your neighbor fairly. And for those of you that are sitting on the bench, you don't throw the book at people of color and let other ethnic, group, ethnic groups go free. The judge needs to be wise and godly in all that he does. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. So turn off CNN and turn off MSNBC and turn off headline news, turn off Fox News because that's all we hear is slander. We're in a political season and I want you to guard yourself right now. That's what uh, in, in politics is who's going to win. And right now, everybody that wants to win or even making up lies. And what we want to do is make sure our ears are not tuned in. Tune in to the word of God. You need to know what's happening in your world, but don't be caught up right now with the slander. Because our country is full of it. I'm reading right out of the text. And people still won't look. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. Right there, so clear. Look at it, verse 17. Do not hate your brother in your heart. Now, we're not 
expecting our society to obey this when we got people in the church that have hate in their hearts. Rebuke your neighbor fairly. Scripture says, so he will not share, so you will not share in his guilt. When you see your neighbor or your own child doing wrong, you're not supposed to point at other people and let yours go or have no tolerance for them but all of the grace for your neighbor. You're supposed to speak the truth in love. Do not seek revenge. Here it goes again. No eye for an eye. Vengeance is in the hands of the Lord. Don't even bear grudge. If the church people do this, we will get along. Because there are people who are offended and the offense begins to speak. The offense opens us up to the spirit of error. And out of the offense, the spirit of error is able to come in and speak sermons. Don't bear a grudge against one of your people. But love your neighbor. As yourself, I am the Lord. Keep my decrees. Connection is perhaps the most crucial component in building the kingdom of God. And a productive and effective church community. It's probably one of the most uh, crucial components. If we're going to build the kingdom of God and a productive efficient church community why is it so important to have connection because connected teams please write that down drives several things at least three things connected teams drive three things this is why the enemy fights connection and if you would like to connect with truth reveal i want you to send an email to connect at truthrevealed.org. That is in any capacity. If you would like some information about our church, you need to send an email to connect. If you're thinking about just uh, making a connection, if you want to go in a new direction, you must make the right connection. People that are drifting out there, drifting in the wind, are not going to be successful in this season. Uh, a hurricane just came up the Gulf Coast called Laura. And if you were in a boat out there as a Cat 4 comes through the Gulf Coast, guarantee you, you're not going to survive. Some people are drifting in the storm. No anchor, no hold, no security. You must make a connection. Connection is perhaps the most important component in building the kingdom of God and a productive, prosperous, efficient church community. Here are the three things that you need, the three things that drive, the three things that push connection. Number one is collaboration. God wants us to talk to each other, and even the world knows that. Jodeci put out a song years ago, come and talk to me, because I really want to see you. Can I talk to you? Collaboration is so important. Collaboration is important. Not only out there, they talk more than we, we, we talk. We talk about, but we need to talk to each other, collaborate one with another so we can come together. A lot of people don't like to collaborate because when you do, you have to surrender yourself as well. If you talk to me and I don't do what you want me to do and you're offended, it's really not true collaboration. 
We should all pour our ideas in the pot, examine them, come up with the best idea that will move the church. And it may not be your idea. It may be a portion of your idea connected with someone else's idea, and then we pull it all together to get the one idea that we can run with. Collaboration. So important. And if you're part of collaboration or collaborative effort, you need to come in with some humility. The second one is nurturing. Nurturing healthy working relationships. And so when we connectedness is tied to talking to each other, but then we want to nurture healthy working relationships. Not, we don't want a fragmented relationship or a people, that, especially leaders, leaders, we don't want someone working with us today or parents, our kids working with us, but they do it because they're afraid of us. But under their breath, there's a lot of uh, dissension and pushback. We want to be able to collaborate, but we also want a nurturing, healthy, working relationship within our church community, within our society within our physical community, within our city, within our country, our state, our nation, and our world. And then the third thing that you need to know, these are the things that drive connection, collaboration, nurturing, uh, nurturing healthy uh, working relationships, but also promote knowledge sharing. Promote the sharing of knowledge. In other words, if we're going to really connect, uh, you're not supposed to say things like, I'll tell you what you know, but I'll never tell you what I know. We should promote sharing knowledge, especially God's knowledge. Not a preaching moment to shine uh, in the midst of other people, but to sharpen each other's knowledge in God and to equip each other that when we take the gospel of the kingdom into the community, those that hear us share the gospel will be able to receive the gospel with all diligence. And like the church, like the Bereans, they were more noble than those in Thessalonica because they searched the scriptures daily uh, to see if what Paul was preaching was biblical. And so we want to make sure that we promote and share knowledge. I think that's so key in terms of communication. As a pastor, I've, I've tried to pull teams together. And one of the things that has to happen, we must collaborate. People who are in ministry, walking around, and, and they'll say, well, okay, even if they have to move on, well, I didn't like this and like that. Did you ever talk to the pastor about it? Nah. What, what, what didn't, you weren't connected because you have to connect and share again but when you share it may not go your way now we're testing humility nurturing healthy working relationships promoting knowledge sharing the more connected we are as members of the body of Christ the more efficient our church efforts will be the more connected we are as members of the body of Christ the more efficient our church members, our church efforts will be. Real connection is about relating to someone's perspective and idea. How do you relate to someone else's perspective and ideas? Does automatically a wall go up when you don't understand? That ain't God. <laughs> 
What, what happens unless you are speaking, unless you are sharing, then it's all God. Okay, so what has to happen is we need to be we need to think about real connection is about relating harmoniously to someone else's perspective and ideas. And that's why God has given us two ears before and only one mouth. If we had two mouths, man, we'd be talking about both sides of our neck. And God wants us to hear from both sides. He wants us to hear from both sides, then speak Hear both sides of the argument then speak. Hear both sides of the problem and then speak. We should listen twice as much as we speak. The Bible actually say be so slow. Communication is about being able to hear. You don't hear that. It's not just talking. It's being slow to speak, slow, uh, quick to hear, and slow to wrath. What does that mean? That means we should hear quickly and be alert when we listen and not heighten things when we talk. Now, you would say, Bishop, you preach at a heightened level. But believe me, before I stand up here for 45 and 50 minutes, I listened for about five hours. And when you start practicing that, the reason why I can go for 50 is because I listened for five hours. And when you start listening, it will shape you. I'm one of the greatest listeners to the people who are in my inner circle. They say, you listen very well. It's one of the compliments I get. Because before I speak, I want to hear both sides of the problem. I'm not trying to come to a solution or try to put some type of gadget together without reading the instruction. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt, knee-high drink, got the peanut butter cookie, and all of the stuff that goes along with it. Got the ice cream cone as well. I know what I'm talking about as it relates to that. And so what we want to do, stop trying to put things together before reading the instruction. Get both sides of it. If you're dealing with an attorney, a good attorney is not going to just sit there and try to defend without knowing both sides. I need you to tell me it all. Give it to me. Give it to me. Give it all to me. I need to know exactly where were you? Who did you do this? Tell me the truth so I know how to defend it. A prosecutor wants to know the deal. Okay. And so we want to make sure that we do that. Be slow to speak, quick to hear, and slow to rap. Write it down. Real connection isn't easy. If it was easy, I wouldn't have to talk about it. There are people under the sound of my voice that need to get connected. And then there are those that are connected. They need to stay connected. And then there are those who were connected. They need to get reconnected. If connection is a light, disconnection is the opposite. Let's just say connection is light. Then disconnection is darkness. And if you're disconnected, you can't tell me you're illuminated. <laughs> Let me say it again because this is going to penetrate. If connection is the light, Jesus talked about it, David talked about it, Paul talked about it. One body, one faith, one Lord. Endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. I am the true vine. My father is the husband man. If you abide, 
I don't want to get ahead of myself. But I just want to let you know that Jesus talks about connection. And if you're connected and connection is like, then disconnection is not something we should be casual with. Disconnection is the opposite of the light of connection. In the natural opposite. In the natural opposites usually attract. And so a woman who's illuminated, ah, she could be around a man in the natural now that's illuminated, got the same education, going in the same direction, but her heart won't beat for him. It beats for someone in the dark, someone that likes to go to the black hole, someone that likes to go to clubs, someone that likes to smoke marijuana, someone that likes to tattoo it all up because that's what they're attracted to today. Instead of getting with someone who stands in the light like you, same education, same principles, same ideas, same way of doing things, going to the same church, got the same religion. In the natural, opposites attract, but not for long. If you want long term, if you want love me long time, you need to make sure that when you deal with people, they're going in your direction and they are connected. If you're an apple tree, stop trying to pick oranges. Stay on your tree. Relate to the apple. In the natural, opposites may attract, but in the spirit, they are mortal enemies. I want you to get this. In the spirit, opposites are mortal enemies. You have good and you have what? Let's say evil. <laughs> it's not just good and bad, but evil. You got live, turn it around, evil. Live without Christ, evil is present. When I seek to do good, he didn't just say bad, he said evil is present okay you got light what's the opposite of light darkness good you have sin and you have what righteousness y'all with me <laughs> you have love there you go and you have hate they are mortal enemies if love is light you can't be disconnected from love. Well, you know, I got hurt, Bishop. They hurt me and I just don't trust people. Still, you need to understand it's dark to hate. Even if you have a reason to hate. That's why Jesus has prescribed all of these things to fix us and heal us in the ICU of our pain. And that is, if you got hell in your heart, he's given you righteousness. If you got issues that happened in your past, he's got forgiveness. If you need redemption, he's got that too. He's got all of the, all of the tools that came through the blood of Jesus. And all you got to do is tie into it, connect with it. He'll pump life in you so you can come out of ICU and pain and begin to thrive again. 
I even declare and decree in the name of Jesus that there's some people who are sucking on their last respirator and God is pulling you out right now. God is snatching you out of that. You're going to come up. Your eyes are going to open. You're coming out of the coma. God is going to help you to rise up so you can thrive again. Your life isn't over in the name of Jesus. Your past will not haunt you for the rest of your life. You will thrive in the name of Jesus let me just help you now if you're attracted to the opposite you may be in the natural and it does attract for season but in the spirit opposites are usually mortal enemies watch the opposite truth and error and if truth is light error has to be dark Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits to see if they're of God. Every spirit that says Jesus came in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that denies that is not of God. But watch that. Here we see the difference between truth and error. Those in truth will hear the teaching. and Those that in error will reject it. Mm. Connection is so essential. John chapter 15, verses 4 through 8. Abide in me, verse 4. And I in you, look at connection, as the branch cannot, it's impossible for the branch to bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you in other words look at a branch you cut off the branch throw it on the ground it will never abide alone Jesus is saying the same thing as he's preaching to his disciples in the 16th chapter he begins to tell them about the Holy Spirit and that he must go hallelujah the comforter must come hallelujah and you got to understand he get in their appetite wet that one day I'm going to leave you but you need to abide I'm teaching you how to handle it when you can't feel my presence when you don't see me uh, physically you need to depend on the Holy Spirit you need to stay connected because you'll never abide out there by yourself alone as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself before he takes off he makes sure he tells his disciples I'm not going to be with you forever but I'm sending another comforter and one of the things he's going to do is help you to stay connected that spirit to push away to push you got to understand if connection is light disconnection's got to be As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. I heard clearly. I said, God, what do you want me to teach? I'm asking him every time I get up. I don't want to come out of human wisdom. And he said, tell my people to stay connected. The world is trying to separate the church. Uh, the world is trying to separate the move of God. Uh, the enemy has come in like a flood the spirit of the lord will lift up a standard against the enemy he's coming in on every side to divide us to make us fractions to say i'm of a paul and i'm of, of apollos and i'm of merton and i'm of jace and i'm of this one and i'm of that one but can't we just be christians glory to god can't we just believe god and then connect with the voice that god has assigned you to to do the work that he's called you to do in the region
As the branch cannot bear fruit, I'm writing the scriptures of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you. That includes me and all under the sound of my voice. Unless Jesus said you abide in me. And how do you abide in him? He's in heaven. He sent his spirit. He's given us what we call the church, the ecclesia. It's his system. You can say what you want about it being over. It's not over until it's over. And only God can say it's over. The church has gone through all kinds of hell. It went through the dark ages. It went through uh, separation. Uh, it went through prostitution. It went through all kinds of issues over the last 2,000 years. Read church history and you'll see this ain't nothing new. The church had to go underground. It's even growing in China. It's growing in Muslim countries. Jesus is revealing himself to Islam. Those who know who Islam is, is starting to see bright light as Jesus said, I am the God of your fathers. Hallelujah. And you need to understand the church will not die. Even though we may be going through issues, stand up, glory to God. I decree and declare the church is still victorious. Jesus still saves. The light is still shining hallelujah and they that follow him would not walk in darkness but shall have they shall have the true light can somebody say amen, amen. well I feel this on my soul because the Lord spoke to me and said tell my people to stay connected I hear Paul on the ship, man, God, and the wind is blowing. He told the captain you shouldn't sail, but they sailed anyway. And when the wind started blowing after several days, Paul said, uh, Luke records that they started to really fear. And then they, was, they started to let down the lifeboats and get off the ship to go and, and make it on their own because they, that they felt their lives were threatened. And Paul stood in the midst of them and said, take heed, my brothers. You should have listened to me. Even though my body's in chains, he gave me a word for the whole ship. A lot of people judge stuff by what they see. They don't understand that the word of the Lord is unlimited by our chains. Or by what we perceive. God is still on the throne. He said, you should have uh, stayed in the harbor and you shouldn't have taken sail. But since you disobeyed and did it anyway... An angel of the Lord appeared to me and told me, hallelujah, I'm going to give them all. All of their lives will be in your hands. And if they abide in the ship, they won't perish. And I just want to encourage those of you that want to get dis disconnected because the storm, disconnected because issues are going, disconnected because of what you feel in some kind of way. You need to abide in the ship that God has you in and God will make sure you get to safety. We're going to come through it, but we need to come through it together. We're going to come through it, but we need to come through it together. One more time. Hit me three times. We're coming through it, but we're coming through it together. And you need to start saying it. We're going to do it together. We're going to work it together. We're going to say the same thing together. We're going to push with the same effort together. We're going to make sure the team can do it together. We're going to preach hallelujah together. We're going to sing together. We're going to make sure we feed the poor together. We're going to get them off the street together. The church is going to continue to rise together. You and me working together. We're going to do it all 
together. We're going to cook together. We're going to rest together. We're going to swim or move in things together. We're going to move in what other people are seeking in together. We're going to have faith in God together. We're going to build up this side of the kingdom together. Not one show. Not one person. Don't listen to the spirit of error. We're going to all do it together. Husbands and wives are going to do it together. Mothers and children are going to do it together. Pastors and churches are going to do it together. Leadership and congregations are going to do it together. Woo, Jesus. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Look at the word here, verse 5. I am the vine. Unless you abide in me, you will all likewise perish. But verse 5, I am the vine. And you are the branches. Stay together. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. In other words, I want you to start thinking futuristically. Get this settled. I need to connect. Once I connect, the next thing I want you to focus on, God says, is fruit bearing. Not whether I should cut or not. Settle that. You need to abide in me. He who abides in me and I in him bears what? Much fruit. And without me, you can what? do nothing unless you're connected you can't accomplish anything spiritually God is about community he is not about individuals you will never do it anything in God if you're not connected I was talking to a young man who has a passion of pulling uh, the community together he's very passionate about it actually so passionate that he will he will intimidate you because I had to sh I share with him you frighten my staff you're so passionate you're so passionate about what God is doing you frighten the ladies physically why can't I meet him I want to meet him now I got something I got to say okay you want to open up the fire hydrant you want to open up the fire hydrant in the name of the Lord because you got passion. You got to tone that down. If God brought you to me, he's given me wisdom to help you to curve your passions so we can work together. Because I can't work with a fire hydrant. I need to work with a water hose. <sighs> I am the vine. I had to educate the young man and let you got but you will not pull churches together with this attitude you need to connect who are you connected with anyway well I'm out there on my own well God sent you to me because he knew I would chasten you <laughs> you're a long ranger right but you got the word for the nations you're a long ranger but you don't have no verses here Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches, he who abides in me. Well, that doesn't mean I have to be with you, Bishop. Absolutely. If you're not with me, you need to be with somebody that's holding you accountable. Look at the word, he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. You can't do nothing for God unless you follow his plan. Look at verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is uh, cast out as a branch. I don't believe in all that church stuff anyway. That's his system. Then the scripture says it's like you're cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire. Look at this. Become firewood. Somebody else's blaze. Some, watch this. Somebody else's. Don't do that or you'll end up like that. 
That's what you become. Somebody else's fire pit. And they look at you and say, if you want to be like that ash, then if you don't want to be like that, don't do what they did. Abide. Look at the word. We become fire. Uh, they, they're thrown in the fire and they're burned. Verse 7. I'm almost done with this passage. I like verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Look at that maturation connectedness. You will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. So if you want to make sure you get the fruit, not just bearing fruit or ministry fruit, but then there's another level of favor. When, when you ask of me, I'll start working it in your life. Ooh, Jesus. And I need some things, so I'm going to abide. I don't want anybody cutting. I want to do whatever I need to do. I want to make sure that I'm in union with God and with my brothers. Leviticus said we need to love our neighbor as ourselves. Jesus picked up the same word. It's the greatest commandment. Let me encourage you, turn your face toward the light. One of the things the enemy does is that when he gets us disconnected, what he does is he puts us in a dark room and he'll say, well, you're getting developed. But we stayed away too long. And we'll usually turn our face from the light. Nobody can see you. The Lord told me to tell you to turn your face toward the light. You're hidden right now. And I know there's a lot of preaching going on. It's okay to be hidden because one day you're going to shine. If you're not connected, you're not. You cannot bear fruit if you abide alone. Except the grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, God never wanted people to stay in a perpetual state of being disconnected. Even a grain of wheat falls into the ground and it dies, glory to God, so it will not abide alone. You're hidden. Unseen like a boat drifting while at sea. You're cold, damp, and mold or contamination is breeding in your dark room. Your voice isn't heard. Your potential is unrealized. Your vitality, your zest, and zeal, even your excitement which are the attractive attributes in the kingdom. They're all dying. Let me say again, your vitality, your zest, your zeal, your excitement, which are the attractive attributes of anyone in the kingdom are dying when you're disconnected. Depression starts kicking in and we come and uh, or go to psychologists for pills when we're in depression or come in service to get it broken. But the actual antidote for depression to keep it from you perpetually is to get connected. There is a disconnect if depression can linger in your life. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. If courage and excitement is the light, 
This depression has to be darkness. And we got to get the light to shine. Turn your face toward the light. Any spirit manifesting in any vibration in the earth that tells you to hide, close the shades, stay in the dark is not godly. Vitamin D comes from the sun. And if you want strong bone and bone marrow, you must have vitamin D. And all you got to do is stand in the sun a few minutes a day. And you'll get your adequate amounts of vitamin D. You must come out of the shadows and stand in the light. You must come off the periphery and move toward the center. You must stop hanging out. And feeling sorry for yourself. You know exactly what's going on. And you need to draw to the light. Glory to God. And get and stay connected. Or get reconnected. I don't want to preach my 11 o'clock sermon. Because I'm going to be talking about reconnection. Philippians chapter 2. As you can see I got a lot of word on this. Two chap Chapter 2 verse 4. Let each of you look on out. Not only for his own interests. Look at the word here. This is coming directly from the Apostle Paul to the church at Philippi. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interests of others. What do you mean for the interests of others? Now this is the Apostle Paul who is preaching. He's writing to the church at Philippi, which was born when he visited Philippi. And when he visited Philippi, he met three distinct people. Number one, he met a woman by the name of Lydia, a seller of purple. Glory to God. This woman would sell purple. She had a home. She moved, migrated from Thyatira into Philippi. Usually women didn't move unless they had tragedy. So we believe that Lydia had some tragedy that pushed her from Thyatira into Philippi and she became an entrepreneur. But she was still unhappy. She was a seller of purple. In other words, she was making sure everybody looked royal, but wouldn't wear it herself. She made sure everybody was happy. Made sure everybody had what they need. But every night, going back to an empty, dark house, disconnected from everybody, and not feeling the, the light and the, the, the courage that she needs to feel or the healing that she needed while she's doing what she's doing to save the region that she was in. Maybe she lost her first love. Maybe she got her heart broken. Maybe her son died. Maybe some issues happened in her family. Maybe she got divorced four times. We don't know what pushed her from Thyatira, but we know she's at Philippi. And it didn't change until she met Paul. She got connected. Ooh, Jesus. Not only did she get connected, she opened up a room in her house and asked him to stay for a while. Read it in the 16th chapter of Acts and you'll see what I'm saying. She made room for the word. She got connected with the word. She got connected with the messenger of the word. She got connected with the vision for the word. And all of a sudden things changed. The light came on. The next girl that we see in Acts chapter 16 was a slave girl. And her masters used her. She had a spirit of divination on her. And when she saw Paul and Silas coming through, when she saw him coming through, she started shouting, These men are men of the most high God. 
She was telling the truth, but a spirit of divination was controlling her. And there's a lot of people that can say right things, but they're being controlled by the wrong spirit. But I can hear the cry in the girl. She saw something on Paul and said, these men are using me. Uh, all they do is strip me. All they do is use me for their own good. But I see something on these men. Please don't leave me in Philippi like this. I want to be changed. Glory to God. Paul, after three days, looked at it, and he was vexed in his spirit, and he commanded the spirit to come out of the girl, and all of a sudden, she set free. I can't believe it, but because she was set free, all of those people who were using her began to raise up some type of issue against Paul and had him beaten and had him thrown in the prison with silence. The girl is set free. Glory to God. Not only did they put him in prisons, they put him in stockades. They put him in stockades, stretched out his legs like this, and then made him squat. And in this position, after a long time, the Bible says Paul and Silas prayed. At midnight, they prayed. They weren't walking around like we do. They were stretched to the capacity after being beat, and they still gave God glory. Glory to God. They stayed connected with God. Even though things didn't look right. Even though there was a virus in the land. They stayed true to what God was saying. God looked at that kind of faith. Came into the prison and set him free. And the third person that Paul affected in Philippi is the jailer who had him locked up. And when he saw that the angel came through and set Paul and Silas free. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He took out a sword ready to kill himself because he thought all of the prisoners had gone free and he knew it was a death sentence for himself. Paul said, don't harm yourself. We're still here. We didn't run. We didn't run out of the shell. We didn't try. We need to. God has purpose for me here. I'm going to stay connected with the vision that God had. God is trying to birth a church in Philippi. Woo, Jesus. Glory to God. Some of us have no clue. We're so individualized. We don't see what God is trying to do corporately. Most of us, if the jail came open, we would have ran out. But Paul stayed right there because the Holy Ghost said, don't move right now. I got one more that I need you to snatch out of this city. And his name is the jailer. We don't even know his name, but his title is the jailer. Paul preached to the man. He and his whole household got saved. And this is how Philippians is birthed. Let this mind be in you. Let this mind be in you. When you stretch to the capacity, don't run. Let the mind of Christ stay connected even though you're going through. I'm preaching to somebody. Oh, Jesus, hallelujah. Even though your back is bleeding, even though they misunderstood you, even though they're not there to save you, stay connected. We see here in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4 and 5, let each of you look out, not only for his own interest. I could have ran out of the jail. I ain't have to say that, girl. She was aggravating me anyway. And Lydia looked mean. But you need to look out to others and help them along the way. But also for the interests of others. Don't look just for your self-interest, but for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you. Hallelujah. 
Verse 5, which was also in Christ Jesus. I think I opened up a fire hydrant myself to y'all. I've been preaching, man. My God. Thank you, Jesus. Well, tell me to preach anyway. Thank you, Lord. I'm almost done here. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. There's some enemies to connection, communication. You need to watch them. Number one is erroneous thinking. I already know that. <laughs> already do this. <laughs> I've heard this before. Yeah. If you really know Jesus, you can read a scripture 15 times, and on the 16th time, he can give you a deeper understanding. If you don't understand that, and you just that kind of, I know that. I already know. I'm already doing that. You're not even listening to the word. No wonder you're not connected. That's why people who don't listen to the word, they just hang out and don't listen to the word. There's no wonder you're going through issues. You understand? I already got that. I already know. I already have it. Oh, God deals with me. Really? Nobody says that that's connected. Nobody talks like that. If Bishop Jakes was in here today or Joyce Meyer and she was sitting on the front row and I'm preaching, she would be taking notes. That's how they flow. They don't say, I got a bigger church. If the word is being preached, they sit there listening, just like students. But you got an erroneous mindset thinking, I already know that. God already dealt with me. Then where's the evidence? Where's the evidence? Because leadership leaves clues. And when you connect it the right way, you will bear fruit. I'm preaching. Need, another thing, need to be right all the time. This is what blocks communication. That attitude, I need to be right, that means you're not listening. I need to be right about your judgments. I need to be right about your assessments. I need to be right about your conclusions. About your conclusions all the time. If you're going to communicate with someone, you don't need to be right all the time. Sometimes you have to be able to say, you know what? That's a good, that's a good angle. That's a good angle. I'm, I'm going to take that to heart. Now we open up for some deeper communication. Here's another one that underneath that uh, need to be right. Alienation ensues. Alienation, isolation, fragmentation, all of that ensues. I need to be right. Total annihilation of the potential for the connectedness occurs as well. Total annihilation of the potential of the connectedness as well. Here's the third thing that blocks enemies of communication. The victim mentality. Start blaming others. Defending oneself, resisting any instruction, ignoring, denying, hiding, rationalizing. Then explaining over again and justifying. That's a victim mentality. I'm going to blame you. You did me wrong. I'm going to defend my own position. 
I'm going to resist any instruction. I'm going to ignore anything that's biblical. I'm going to deny that I ever did anything wrong. I'm going to hide in my own, my own sorrows. I'm, I don't want nobody around me. Don't ever ask me no personal questions. I won't relate to anybody. Always explaining one's position. And then justifying the position. This is dangerous to communication and connection. And if you're ever in a warm relationship and you have these tendencies, you need to get connected with God and this word so you won't drive away your next love. Because nobody's staying with this. And if you do stay with this, maybe you're prone to abuse. Healthy minds... Not gonna tolerate all of that. Here's another one. This is an enemy of communication. I'm almost done. Criticizing people who uh, fight communication will always find the negative. Criticizing, declaring everything a disaster. Everything is a disaster. Everything is a disaster. Everything is a disaster. If I came in here this way, everything is a disaster. Who set these chairs up? Everything is a disaster. I don't like this arrangement. Everything is a disaster. What's wrong with the sound? What's wrong with the sound, man? Everything is a disaster. Then once I critique everything as a disaster, I'm able now to say this is what I want. And this is what I want. And, this, and you should be happy that I corrected all of you. But guess what? Everything is not a disaster. You want to block communication and be a controller, you'll make everything a disaster and only what you say is right. When you bring it up to them and say, you know what, you really criticize. They act like they never knew that hurt feeling. What? Did you say that to me? But really? I can't believe you could think that of me. <laughs> Everybody's thinking it, they just won't tell you. Criticizing everything. You're always critical, always pessimistic. And you can't handle anybody saying that to you? <laughs> Last but not least, forgetting the emotional climate. Forgetting the emotional climate. People who fight enemies of communication, they forget the emotional climate. They forget that their actions and their words impact others. They even forget how they're being impacted by their own words. Again, there's a cycle, isolation, fragmentation, alienation, total annihilation of your potential or the potential of connecting with somebody. And you have an inability to admit that you don't know. It's hard to say, I just don't know. Try to always talk around it. I just don't know. I, I, I need to learn. I, I, I missed it. These are enemies of communication, and God wants us to rise up. He wants us to rise up. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, and let us, I close with this, consider one another in order to stir up love. And good works. Let us consider one another. 
connect with one another in order to stir up love and good works. In other words, our relation to each other can help us love our neighbor, love our neighbor as we do ourselves. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works and not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now some have taken this passage and said that we're in total violation to work with COVID-19 because the scripture says that we should assemble together. But God has afforded us an opportunity to assemble in a different way for a season to save lives. And what's amazing to me is if you got the faith to go to work and then to get paid and to know that if you don't go to work, ain't no check coming. You got enough faith to know ain't no check coming if I don't go to work. I can't just decree the check. If you really believe that faith is for that, don't go to work and decree the check anyway or don't have a retirement and decree the check anyway and see how far God takes you. You have to have a retirement or you need to go to work and by faith, if you go to work, these things will happen. When the scripture talks about assembling oneself together, you got to go to verse 24 and let us consider one another. Let us consider, let us consider the elderly. Would you want your grandmother, would you want your grandmother to connect, to contact, con to contract COVID-19? If you could save your 80, 90-year-old mother, grandmother, would you do it by faith? Or would you say, I just decree? I just decree. Or would you consider? It's not just faith. I must consider you in order to stir up love. It's right there in the word. Put it up on the screen. I must consider you in order to stir up love and good works. If I consider you, I will inspire you to love and to do what's right. And to love your neighbor as yourself. Not forsaking now the assembling of yourselves together. So people who say, well, you shut the church down. Are you watching the live stream regularly? I know I had something to do. Okay. Well, I'm asking you, if you can't be here to connect with this, and you resist that too, and now you want to push back where you believe that the church is not operating in faith, let me tell you something. You need to read the whole council. Let us consider one another. I have responsibilities for hundreds of people. I'm burying folk every month. I know what I'm doing here for this season to consider them. We must go this way. Glory to God. Let me tell you something about the way. When God took Moses out of Egypt, he could have went to the promised land in 11 days. The scripture says he told Moses to go south. Lest they fight the Amalekites while they were young and weak. And be detoured from their promise. Listen to the word in the council. If Moses did that today, a whole lot of people, that can't be God. You must face your enemies. 
he had three million babies and they had no weapons. Even though the Lord of hosts was doing battle for them and he opened up the Red Sea and he killed Pharaoh's army. They weren't ready for the Amalekite. They were ready for an enemy who pursued them from the rear, but they were not ready for an enemy who could fight in the valleys. So God took them south and made them strong, raised up Joshua, taught him the ways of war. Then he turned it around so they began the battle. After, after they were trained. And Joshua was fighting in the valley, and you got Moses standing on the hilltop. And Aaron and her holding up his arms, still connected. And as Moses' arms are lifted, they begin to win. But they did not win because they were great soldiers. They won because they were obedient. They didn't win because they had great faith. They won because they were obedient to God. And if you can just be obedient, obedience is greater than any sacrifice. But rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. You could be talking that all day, that religious jargon, but we must be subject to the governing authorities. And this is why we need to stay connected. There are seasons that we have. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. On our property, I have a mango tree, and mangoes usually bud in February, and they ripen around the 4th of July. They go through a whole season before you can eat them. Many of us, we're only spring chickens. We're only spring believers. I got to move forward. They don't understand the winter months. Don't understand the summer months. It's hot and dry. You got to water extra water. Don't understand the enemies that we all go through, the serpents that are in the cracks, the people who are getting bad prognosis from the doctors. They just got a bad report. Their immune system is down. And I got folk that's so spiritual, you don't understand. Until you get sick, stay connected. I got pastors calling me forever. Merton, what's happening in your church? I don't get sick. What color are they? Well, I'm predominantly Caucasian. Then maybe they don't have pre-existing conditions. You ever thought of that? No, I didn't. Trade pulpits with me. See how long your church goes. I'll take trade places with you. Let's see how far you go here. You want to trade? Oh, no, I'll stay where I'm at. Okay. Then let me run this. Let me handle the people of God globally. Don't listen to the enemy that says you don't need to be connected. You need to stay connected. Can the church say amen? amen? Father, I give you praise, glory, and honor for allowing me to speak to the nation, this spirit that's trying to divide the people of God and the efforts of the king. I pray now that you would use me for your glory. Let this word permeate. Let this word challenge, but also let this word draw us to the connection that you've given us in your word. And I pray that Jesus would rise up. The true vine would be revealed. That every member of the body, every branch 
and its vegetation of foliage, its fruit will begin to prosper as we secure our connection with Christ. And Father, I love you and I bless you and I honor you for the teamwork and the partnership. I honor you for the associations. I thank you for the alliances, the strategic alliances. The strategic alliances requires the synergy that we're trying to build and I honor you for it. Bless your people and we will give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. It has been a real joy to share the word of God with you. A special thank you to those who care for this ministry. No amount of financial support is too small. It is because of you this ministry is possible. To support us, go to our website at truthrevealed.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share with friends. Be sure to tag us when you share at Trim Nation One. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, I'll see you at the Word of Truth Revealed.